there is a story I remember from when I was in grade school. It is about two anthropologists who go off to a foreign land to study aboriginal people. The anthropologists seem to have an endless list of questions. Tell us, they say, about your gods, about your customs and traditions, and how this helps you order life and find meaning in it. Eventually, the chiefs of the tribe tire of all the questions and decide it is the time for them to ask a few of their own. And so they turn to the anthropologists and ask, now tell us about your god or your gods. And the anthropologists being good, modern, Western scholars say, well, we don't happen to believe in God. And the chief looks at them and says, that's strange. We chiefs have been watching you as you have lived among us. And we think you do have a God. It is on your wrist. It is that round, shiny thing with several hands in it. It tells you when to wake and when to sleep, when to eat and when to work. It doesn't seem to encourage you to play. We do believe you have a God. And it controls, directs, and orders your lives. The season of Advent asks the questions that the anthropologists ask those aboriginal people, and they, in turn, answered the anthropologists. Who is your God? Who are your gods? And how do they bless or curse your lives? How do they order or disorder them? And by following your God, listening to your God's call, is your life enriched, fuller, or does it lead you leave you oppressed, depressed? Are you following words of others trying to seduce your spirit and life to meet their needs rather than the common good? Those are the questions of this strange 
wonderful season before us. Now, there are a number of things that are quite strange about this season. The secular world will tell you, go out and ask them. There's another month to go before the new year starts. We disagree. We say, the new year starts today. You know, when the church was very young and pretty powerless, it watched those who ruled the world. And it noticed that whoever controls the clock and the calendar sets the agendas for people's lives. When the church rose in ascendancy, it said, we think our God would like to help you order your lives in a better way. So follow our calendar to a better way. This is a season of watching and waiting. Your God is among you. Listen. Where is God calling you and how to a richer life? There's another thing that is very strange about this Advent season. It starts its new year, its beginning, by talking about the end about the end of time. Doesn't that seem strange to you? But as, as many of you know, one of the unique gifts about the Judeo-Christian tradition is that unlike almost all the other people of the earth, we believe that time had a beginning in God. And it will have an end in God. Almost every other people imagines life as a circle. They follow the seasons of nature, a time of dormancy, a time of new birth and growth a time of harvest, and then the dormancy, a circle. Not so in our tradition. Time had a beginning, and it will have an end, and that end will be in God. And so the lessons we read at the beginning says, say, you're on a journey you're more likely to get where God is calling you to go if you pay attention to what that end looks like. It's joy, it's hope, it's justice, it's wholeness. 
its light. And you know, there's another strange thing about the season of Advent. For much of my ministry, when I've tried to talk about the end, people have looked at me as if I am strange, talking nonsense out of some magical, mystical, superstitious world of the past. Not so in the era in which we live and move and have our being. Almost any place you turn will be talking about the end of the world as we have known it. Is that not the case? Have you not seen the articles and books about the end of American hegemony? That we might be declining as others are rising? Or the reports that in our present economic crisis, the post-World War II economic order is dissolving. Most of the people that raise those issues are trying to make you afraid so they can have you serve their ends. You know, it's not only out there, I heard it, hear it, it is also when I listen to you. You ask me, what happened to our world of manners and working for the common good? What happened to that well-ordered world? It seems to be coming to an end. Yes, that is common discussion among us. The difference is when the church talks about the end, it's talking about it as, yes, it'll be sad that our old world falls apart. It may be painful as a childbirth is always painful. But it is moving in God's way. And somehow or another will be fuller of life. You know, as a grandfather, I'm beginning to understand new birth and new beginnings in a full and joyful and hopeful way, I could not understand them before. You know, the, the old way of, of seeing Advent was, it was little Lent, and we ought to focus on how we fall short. The, the new way of understanding Advent is that it's the season of Mary the mother of Jesus. Its color is blue. It is our time of anticipation, of waiting for that 
pregnancy to come to term and for the new birth to take place. It's, we light the candles to help our waiting, to order our patience. As a grandfather, we heard, we waited, waited anxiously for Cullum's birth. And then he was born, and, and the world was torn apart and turned upside down, and, and we were called to help, help all the way over in Ireland. It's wonderful to have him, but we haven't slept in weeks. We can't, we can't figure out what he wants and what he doesn't want. I, what do we do? You know, and last week we got to go back again for the baptism. And Joy was there again. He had grown. They had grown. They were understanding this new world and living into it joyfully. The thanksgiving we shared was full of hope and joy. That new world has promise. So if that is the pattern, how do we prepare for it? How do we get ourselves open, be awake to the God that is in our lives, and alert to where we are being called. I want to end this morning, as I often do, with a story. Some 15 or so years ago, there was a gathering of all the quilts made in memory of those who had died from AIDS. People gathered in Washington, D.C., and the quilts were laid out one next to another in the mall. And the Episcopal AIDS Coalition had a service Two of the women from the parish I then served, Jan Bird and Holly Glidden, went down for that celebration. And Holly told me that when our then presiding bishop, Edmund Browning, stood up to preach, he started by saying, my father was an alcoholic. Because of his disease, he missed most of the important moments of my life. He died at age 63, way too young. He missed my graduation from college and seminary, missed our wedding and the birth and baptism of our children. He missed my ordination to the priesthood and when I was consecrated as a bishop. But he went on to say, 
The week before I was consecrated presiding bishop in the National Cathedral, I had this dream. My father was in the dream. He was now healed and whole. And he wanted my mother to save a seat for him next to her for my consecration as presiding bishop. Edmund Browning had done his inner work, had learned how to forgive, learned how to be open to the way God was calling him. He then called the people of the Episcopal Church to ministry to those with AIDS and a greater compassion. Advent is the invitation to do our inner work so that we can be open. What he said is, the people for whom those quilts were made, they are now fully in God's presence, healed and whole. It is our work to be open to that healing for ourselves and to be faithful in helping the world serve God's that will enable this to be a better world for our children and grandchildren. Be awake. Listen. A new world is f being born as an old world fades away. Your hope is in that new world. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord.